0: I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. The good news of Jesus Christ, the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 13 where luke writes and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising god and saying glory to god in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors this is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god let us pray Almighty God, we're so grateful for your love and your grace. And what a privilege to study your Holy Word together. And now as I stand before these, your people, your church, those you came to be among, those you came to give your life for, those whom you offer forgiveness and everlasting life, I pray that this would be your message, and not my own, through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's almost here. All four candles now around the Christ candle are burning. It's a way of reminding us the next candle is the middle one. The next candle to light is the one we'll join together tomorrow and celebrate the lighting of the Christ candle, the celebration of this amazing gift that God has given to the world this gift that we again once receive tomorrow it's almost time many of you are preparing to travel some in the earlier services have told me keep me in your prayers this afternoon we're heading to atlanta as soon as this is over good luck (laughs) i'll keep you in my prayers i'm heading here i'm heading there some of you have shared we have family coming in this afternoon good luck It's a great opportunity to be with family. Excitement's building. Plans are made. Most of the gifts are wrapped. Some of you might be, you know, those last-minute things today. We're running out of time. It's almost time. Food is planned with our schedule today and tomorrow because I have the opportunity this afternoon or this evening I'll be preaching at our Monroe campus. So, you know, we'll be celebrating there tomorrow. As you know, our Christmas Eve services begin At 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we'll go through midnight, so it'll be quite a time together. If it's not done at our house, it's just not going to happen at this point. So we were talking about it, because we'll leave tomorrow night. We'll get home somewhere around 2 a.m.-ish, typically. And and, and so then our kids are going to be coming over for breakfast, Christmas morning. And so we're making sure, do we have this? We have this. We have this. We have this. I mean, the checklist is done. Things are laid out. You know, yes, we've got almost everything that we need in order, and, and we're ready. We're ready to celebrate the Christ child, ready to celebrate this amazing gift of God's love and grace. Today, the word is peace. So today we join together and celebrate that God offers us peace. But peace is one of those words that we're not careful. It begins to become meaningless to us. Peace becomes one of those words that we just kind of toss around. It's one of those words when you ask someone in a competition, what would you love to see in our world today? Peace on earth. I mean, you know, it, it becomes a bumper sticker that we stick on the back of our car without really thinking through what does it mean when we say peace? What does it mean when we pray for peace on earth? What does it mean when we pray for peace in our homes and and peace in our families, sometimes it's, it's an idealistic word that simply means, I, I, just, I just want to be at ease. I just want some rest. Or it reminds me of the guy who, who was struggling trying to, to figure out what was going on, and finally he wrote a letter to the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS. And he said to the IRS, he said, last year I underpaid on my taxes. I have not been able to sleep well. My conscience is really bothering me. So, enclosed, you will find a check for $600. And he signs it. And then at the bottom it said, P.S. If I still can't sleep after this, I'll send you the rest of it. <laughs> you know, what does it take just to be able to get us to be. A little bit of comfort. I mean, just to ease us a a little bit. The word peace, though, is a powerful word. It's it's an amazing theological word that runs from the beginning of the Scripture all the way through Revelation. One of the things I love when you go to Israel is is that you get to hear the Old Testament Hebrew word for peace used on a regular basis. It's the word shalom. 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 You walk through the streets of Jerusalem or through various places in the region and as you pass by someone or someone greets you, they'll say, Shalom. At the end of the day, when you're about to retire and go to bed for the night, you'll look at someone and they'll respond to you, Shalom. Peace. Peace. It's it's a deep phrase. It's a deeper phrase than, Hey. Hey. It's a deeper phrase than, hey, y'all. It it actually, it it means the absence of hostility. Yes. It means the absence of war. Yes. It means the absence of conflict. Yes. But it's deeper than that. It also means I want well-being for you. I want completeness for you. I want wholeness for you. To offer someone peace is to offer them well-being. Actually, Ray Clendon puts it this way in the Holman Bible Dictionary. He says, a bilateral treaty of peace would mean that both parties promise to refrain from hostilities against the other. And furthermore, would seek the other's welfare including a pledge of aid if the treaty partner were attacked. To say, quote, go in peace meant to go with an assurance of friendship and favor. He goes on to say God's covenant of peace with his people would involve the assurance of an enduring relationship with the one who is our peace. And his pledge to protect their welfare and to abundantly bless them by his divine grace, wisdom, and power. Wow. A little deeper than hello, isn't it? Shalom. When we look at someone and we offer shalom, there, there's a depth to it that says not only are we saying time out, not only are we saying I don't want to fight you, I don't want to battle you, I don't want to be in conflict with you, I don't want any hostility with you, I, I want that to be gone. It also means though, I want what's best for you. And not only do I want what's best for you, it is a pledge I will help you attain. I will work for completeness for you. I will work for wholeness for you. And not only that, if someone else comes up against you, since we're at peace, I will stand with you. Wow. So God offers us peace. And when we turn and offer each other peace, it, it means so much more. It's, it's why then on a Sunday morning, we pass the peace. We pass the peace of Christ. Now, sometimes if we're not careful, passing the peace of Christ will turn into, how y'all doing? Good to see you. I mean, what do you think are the Panthers' odds now? I mean, the odds of us getting in the playoff at this point are kind of tough, but I mean, there is a chance. Let's keep it in our prayers, okay? We can pray, you know. I mean, if, we, we, if we're not careful, we turn it in, into something else It's actually a pretty powerful thing to look at someone else and to share the peace of Christ be with you or peace be with you because what I'm now doing is I'm saying I want to be one with you. I want God's blessings to be upon you. We are friends and I will stand with you. Did you know when you looked at someone and you said shalom what all you were really saying? It's, it's a pretty powerful thing to offer. So it's no wonder then when, when God was speaking and ready to reveal the coming of His Son that, that He sent angels and He sent them out to shepherds. There were a group of shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock. If you read the rest of that scripture, which we'll be reading in full tomorrow night and, or tomorrow and, and tomorrow night. But, but if, you, if you read that scripture... The shepherds are out in the field, and an angel appears to them and says, I need to tell you what God is doing. God's doing this amazing thing. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, your Savior, the Messiah, which is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. It's this amazing gift that God is is offering to us, but did you see what happened as soon as the angel finished sharing the good news? All of a sudden the choir shows up. All of a sudden, we're told that there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and singing, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Now, I... I love to, to listen to the choir as, it, as they prepare to, to help lead worship. Our praise teams do the same thing. They get together and they rehearse and, and before the Christmas program the other night, I, I came in to make sure I was mic'd up and everything was ready and, and so, you know, Dr. House and Dr. Rogel were warming up the choir and rehearsing with the choir and it's always fun to overhear something when they don't know you're overhearing it. Because Reggie was working with the choir and and, and he was passionately looking toward the choir, leaning toward the choir, and he was sharing about the song that they were going to be singing, the piece that they were rehearsing, and what it meant, and he was going over the words, and he was sharing, this is what it's saying, and this is why this is important, and, and we need to make sure when we sing it, for some people, this will be the Christmas message they hear, and this is the only time we're going, they're going to get to hear it, is when we sing it, and, and he was just kind of emphasizing how important it was that we get it right, and I was thinking, you know, wow, I bet the angels were going through rehearsal too. Because they knew what God was doing, because it was an angel that went to Mary and said, "Here's what God's getting ready to do. You're going to conceive a child, born of the Holy." Spirit. So the angels were in the plan. They knew the plan, and you know they talked to each other just like we do. They were going, "Did you hear what God's doing?" I mean, I just went and told Mary. She was so excited at first. She was really shocked, but then she. And then the other angel going, "You should have seen Joseph's face when I told Joseph." I mean, you know, <laughs> and 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 they were going back and forth. So they they had been working. Then the choir had nine months to get it ready. Nine months they knew, we're going to get to sing this amazing song. And what do they sing? Glory to God in the highest. When we celebrate that unto us is born this day in the city of David our Savior, the response is, glory to God in the highest. But what difference does it make that God is doing? And on earth... Peace. Completeness, wholeness, oneness. Actually, remember the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word for peace is irene. If you look up that word and study that word, break that word down, you might find it interesting to see that, that it comes from the root word, which means to join. The word peace means to join. To be made one. To be at one. At one meant. The word peace means at one meant. Atonement. So if you go back to the Old Testament, what was the highest holy day in the Old Testament? The Day of Atonement. We hear it referred to as Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was that one day out of the year. Just one day out of the year when the high priest, not just any priest, but the high priest, the high priest would come into the temple and there was a curtain and behind the curtain was the Ark of the Holy of Holies where God would dwell. And on that day, only on that day, not just every day, but that day, the high priest, not just any priest, the high priest could go back there and would make an offering to God for what? The forgiveness of sin. And on that day, with that offering, the celebration would be made known that we are now one with God again. That anything that stood between us and God has now been forgiven. We are one with God again. Isn't it interesting then that when the angels sing praise to God because of the coming of the Christ child and we will learn and experience the rest of the story on Good Friday and Easter, the angels sing out glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Oneness with God. at one with God. Forgiveness with God. Completeness and wholeness now with God. That is offered among us. You want to know how important a word it is? Every book of the New Testament, with the exception of 1 John, Refers to peace. Every book of the New Testament, with the exception of 1 John, refers to peace. Now, before you get too upset with John, he spoke about it in a lot of other places, just not 1 John. So that really means that every writer of the New Testament spoke about the peace of God. It's a gift that we light. It's, it's more than a bumper sticker. It's, it's more than, hey. And it's more than, hey, y'all. Shalom. Shalom is the blessing that, that Jesus would have shared on a regular basis with His disciples and with all that He came upon. And it was the greeting and the blessing that Jesus knew well and offered well. Shalom. Shalom. But there is a section of that verse that I struggle with a little bit, and and that is at the end of the verse, it says, you know, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And that always bothered me. It's like, well, who does God not favor? I mean, how do I know if I'm one of the favored or not? Well, you know, I struggle with that. And then I realize it's not only me that I'm not the only one that struggles with it because Actually, some of your Bibles will tell you in a little footnote at the bottom, some ancient manuscripts don't have that part. Tell you how that happens. Back in back in the day, before you had, you know, staples or somewhere that you could go to and go, hey, could you make me a copy of this? Before we had copiers in our own homes where we could just lay down something and make a copy of it. And, and, and before you could go on to Amazon or some other bookstore, uh, and, you know, Barnes and Nobles or some independent bookstore and order the book or order the Bible, you had to use scribes. So if, if, if somebody wanted a copy of the Bible, and Ed was the only one over here that has a copy of it, then we would hire a scribe to take Ed's copy, and they would sit down with pen and paper and start copying word for word. Obviously, some of the scribes got to that part and went, I just don't like that, and they accidentally left that word out, that phrase out but it's there. We struggle with it though, with whom God favors, whom does God favor? Well, Dr. Fred Craddock, who was one of my professors when I was in seminary, great mentor that I dearly loved. Fred Craddock was a, a, was a great biblical scholar. He was a New Testament scholar, a Greek scholar, and, and he has commentaries on, on the New Testament as well. And in his commentary on Luke, he said, the thing that we have to remember is that the Greek language did not have punctuation. You you looked at the verb and the verb tenses and the prefixes and the suffixes to see, is this first person, second, third? Is this present tense, past tense? You know, what is it? You know, you had to look at the verbs and word placement didn't quite matter the way it does in English and they didn't use punctuation. So sometimes when we then translate it into English, we try to add the English stuff to it. And sometimes we may put the punctuation in the wrong place. And his point was, he said that, that, that the comma, if you're going to add the comma, the comma comes after the word peace. So, so in my Bible, I've actually kind of marked that, you know, it's, so I know Paul's in the right place because it makes a difference when you go glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among all those whom God favors. Or and on earth, peace among those whom God favors. You see the difference? It's, it's where is the pause? And, and Craddock says, it, Luke makes it very clear. I mean, Luke is the one that tells us Jesus is here for all people. He's here for the least, the last, the lost. He's the one who cares about the outcast. As a matter of fact, who are the angels talking to? The shepherds, the lowly. John makes it clear that for God so loved the world. So Craddock says, when you read the Scripture, make sure you put the comma and the pause in the right place. It's and on earth peace and on earth peace among all those whom God favors. For you are God's people. Peace. It's a powerful, amazing thing that God is offering to us. That's why then, according to Luke and according to John, what's the first word that Jesus shares with the disciples upon his resurrection? Peace. And it was a little deeper than, hey, even deeper than, hey, y'all, it meant God's peace. The lighting of the advent wreath, you heard the reading from Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven. If you listen carefully, the choir just a few moments ago saying to you. From Handel's Messiah, for unto us a child is born, which again was the scripture from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, that says, for a child has been born to us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the what? Prince of Peace. This is the one that gives us the wholeness of God. Paul, in writing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, as he concludes his letter to the church at Thessalonica, he says in verse 16, Now may the Lord of peace Himself... Did you catch that? The Lord of peace. May the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times and in all ways. Oh, hold on to that. No matter what you're going through in your life, may the Lord of peace give you peace. When? In all times. In all ways. No matter what it is that you're experiencing. Paul describing the new life in Christ in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12 talks about being God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, etc. But then in verse 15, he goes on to say, and let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ is, it, it's a different kind of peace. We, we search for peace in all kinds of other places, but nothing can give us at one moment like Christ. Nothing can restore the brokenness like Christ. It's why Jesus in John 14, when he's preparing to to leave, he's preparing the disciples that, that the end is coming year. And he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going to go get a room ready for you. I'll come again to receive you to myself so that where I am there, you may be also, you know, the way where I'm going. Thomas says, I don't know how to get there. I don't know. They're confused. They talk about it. And then Jesus says in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace. Not just any peace. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. Because it's a different kind of peace. It's why Paul then says in Romans 5, verse 1, he says since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, Philippians chapter 4, as Paul concludes his letter, he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, there's not another peace like it. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We light this candle as a symbol of the Prince of Peace. Tomorrow we'll light the Christ candle, but to experience the fullness of the Christ candle and the Christ child, to experience the gifts that the Christ child offers of hope, love, joy, and peace makes all the, the difference in the world, peace. What does it mean to have Peace with God. So I ask you, as we prepare to celebrate the Christ Mass, the celebration of the Christ child, Christmas, do you have peace with God? Oneness with God. Forgiveness from God. Because Christmas is about the baby in a manger stretching out his arms to be held Offering shalom. The shalom of God. And what about peace with each other? We're about to spend a lot of time with family. I know you are too. Isn't it always fun? I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes in our families and in our homes, we just want peace. Peace. But that means a little bit more than the absence of conflict. In our homes and families, do we want the best for the other? We want completeness and wholeness for the other. To move beyond the fact that we just tolerate each other on the holidays. But we embrace each other on the holy days. Peace. Peace. Can we look at our families and our friends and our neighbors and truly say Salom. Shalom. Shalom. I, I know when my kids, for some reason, are not getting along with each other. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but once in a while, because they're brothers and brother and sisters like everybody else's. You know, it just drives you nuts as a parent, doesn't it? I wonder how God must feel sometimes when he looks among his kids and he sees the way we respond to each other. Can we offer each other shalom? Shalom. So I invite you, as we prepare to sing our closing hymn together, I invite you to experience the gift of shalom. Peace. It's an amazing gift of the christ child it's oneness completeness wholeness one with god it's a word that means that not only does god want uh, an end to any brokenness between us but god seeks your well-being and your wholeness your completeness god has also promised since you're at peace with god if If anyone comes against you, if anything comes against you, God will stand with you. Hence, if God be for us, who can be against us? And I invite you to experience shalom with each other. It's not always easy, but I invite you to offer the shalom of Christ to one another. Passing the peace of Christ. Well, it's not just something we say. It's who we are. It's what we do. Shalom.